It's going to get there. He turned 32 yesterday. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. Richard Rodgers with a walk-off touchdown. Foster. Nine seconds for the win. Oh! 
So I have Mac Jones going third overall to the 49ers. Uh, I, I just, to me, I think he works better in San Francisco system. I think Kyle Shanahan would like to coach a quarterback like him more than the others. Then I have the Broncos selecting Justin Fields. And then the Patriots going with Trey Lance. So, and, and that's kind of a similar situation with the trading up. I don't know if they trade up for Trey Lance or if they wait and just hope that he's there because he probably will be there at 15 if those other four are gone. But either way, I think Trey Lance is a Patriot. I think Justin Fields is in Denver and Mac Jones is in San Francisco. So, we'll see. Trey Lance to uh, the 49ers. I have not, I, like, I, I think I've heard more about Jones or Fields there. But, well, I guess I've heard all three. So, that you never know. That's an well, interesting take. Look, I you know it's tough to tell just by myself what's going to happen in this draft. So I was kind of looking at a bunch of mock drafts, and I actually found that in the majority of mock drafts I looked at, they had Lance going to the Forty Nine. Really? Yeah. Wow. I feel like I've seen a pretty good mix, honestly. Oh well, no, it was certainly yeah. a good mix. Yeah. I I saw. Some drafts, there Jones going to the 49ers. Some drafts, Fields going to the 49ers. So, I don't think anybody's quite 100% sure who's going there. But, you know, I have heard a lot of Mac Jones as well. Mm-hmm. I've probably heard more Mac Jones than um, Fields. So, it should be interesting. Yeah, I'm so especially those first 15 picks, I'm so excited for tomorrow night. My Packers pick at 29, so... Obviously, I'll be watching all the way through because, as they usually are, they're, they're drafting at the end of the draft. Um, but no, those first 15 are going to be a lot of fun to watch. So, Kenny, do you think – or do you have a problem with Justin Fields falling out of the top three? Well, here's the thing, Isaiah. I don't have a problem with it because I just don't really care about it that much. Like, I think he was a good player in college, but – if this if these are the decisions that these teams want to make, if the Jaguars, the 49ers, and the Jets all think that they could get a better quarterback than him at one, two, three, then fine, let them do them and let's see how it works out. But I will say it's a little bit strange because I thought at least from what I can remember, I don't know if you remember differently, but from what I can remember, at the end of the college football season, I thought it was Trevor Lawrence 1, Justin Fields 2 to the Jets. I thought that was the whole idea pretty much the whole time coming out of that college playoff tournament. And especially after that game that Justin Fields had against Clemson, I thought that he looked very impressive in that game. And I thought that the general trend was that, okay, he's going to be the second quarterback selected out of this draft class. So something changed between then and now, and I'm not really sure what it was that changed because there were no games played. I didn't hear of any significant news like of character issues about Justin Fields. I don't know if you did. I did not. At least nothing that would lead from him going to the second pick at quarterback to potentially the fourth quarterback picked or the fifth quarterback picked. And all that was done from the end of the season to now have been like little mini combines, like little pro days for these different players like Zach Wilson and 
Trey Lance and all these kinds of players. So I'm just not really sure what the deal is and why this is something that happened. What do you think, Isaiah? How do you feel about it? So I agree with what you're saying, but I do have a problem with him falling out of the top three for every th- all those reasons that you just said. I think I-, I thought the same as you after the college football season ended, that he was going to be that second overall pick. And to me, all that really happened was I think the media propped up Zach Wilson and then – I think, and even if you're going to do that, I still think that Justin Fields deserves to go third overall then to the 49ers, but if they want to take Mac Jones, fine. I think Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and Mac Jones are the top three quarterbacks in this draft. I think Zach Wilson's fourth. I think he's behind all those guys. So the fact that Trevor Lawrence and Mac Jones are in that top three, fine. That That's what I expect. But the fact that Zach Wilson comes and beats out Justin Fields and then he falls to maybe the nine spot, maybe the 15, because these other teams in between don't need a quarterback. I, I have a problem with that. I think he's he proved himself to be the second best quarterback, at least top three quarterback in this draft, and now he's going to fall out of the top three. At the end of the day, it's not going to matter for his career because, I mean, some of the top quarterbacks in the NFL were drafted way later. So, I mean, at the end of the day, whatever, it might, it's just going to be more motivation. But the fact that so many teams are likely going to pass on Justin Fields, who I think is a very, very good prospect. I think he's going to have a good career. It's, I, I don't know, it's just disappointing at this point. I, I, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen, but I, I think he's going to fall, and I, I don't really like that he's going to fall that low. Yeah, I mean, listen, I don't really – I see what you're saying, and, I, and you're agreeing with the reasons that I put forth, but the reason I don't have a problem with it is just like these guys just make decisions – that sometimes people don't agree with. They're sometimes uh, they're not the decisions that people think that they should make or that they're going to make. You know, an example is Dave Gettleman drafting Daniel Jones. Nobody thought that they were going to draft Daniel Jones, and I think you know we were doing the show at that time. And when we got on the air the next day, I was just kind of <laughs> like I shrugged and I was like, well, I, I think back then I was still very angry about. Uh, how Odell got traded and I said well I don't really understand what he's doing but that's who they picked so let's see what happens and you know the the guy that everybody wanted instead of Daniel Jones was Dwayne Haskins and look how he turned out so you know you never really know of any of this stuff but I will say about Zach Wilson I just his resume is not that impressive to me yeah so it's just one of those, I've done I think a little research. I've done a little research. Yeah, so the media props this guy up to two, and now the Jets are picking him, and they're calling him Mormon Mahomes, and he uh, he looked good in that that one the one time I've ever seen the guy throw the ball. The one throw I've ever seen him throw was really cool. It was like that that back, uh, yeah, back. foot fade, yeah. eighty yards in the air to the guy over the shoulder. Whatever, great, all good things. I love it. No pads. I mean, just in a pro day, whatever. But but here's the deal. He played in his collegiate career five teams that won 10-plus games. In those five games, Zach Wilson and BYU was 0, were 0-5. He had a 61.7% completion percentage, and he had a ratio of one touchdown to... Seven interceptions. Wow. And now, you'd say, Isaiah, Isaiah, somebody might say, right? Well, like, were these good teams? Were they 
Were they good 10-plus teams? Were they Ohio State? Were they Michigan? Were they Penn State? Were they Clemson? No, Isaiah. The 10-plus teams that we're talking about, this is the competition he went up against and, and failed miserably with. Coastal Carolina. Mm. Hawaii. Wow. San Diego State. Dangerous. Utah. And Great. Boise State. Wow. So I know when everybody <laughs> hears those teams, they they shudder in fear of how good those teams are and and going up against them. But these are this is the guy. This is the second pick in the draft. These are his stats against them. Against teams of ten plus wins. And then, you know, I guess another counter argument could be well, maybe he didn't have a lot of weapons at BYU, and apparently he did have a good amount of weapons at BYU. From what I from what I've heard. So it's just kind of strange to me how this guy is going to be the number one pick and he's going uh, – the number two pick, excuse me, and he's going to the Jets. And I wish him well, but I could just very very much picture in the next four years the same thing that happened with Darnold, happening with Sam uh, – with um, Zach Wilson, and then this is going to be like a cycle over again. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. We'll see if they get him some pieces. We'll see if he's actually good and he can play well against good competition. But it's very interesting. Yeah, when I when I hear those stats you listed off, so I hear 0-5 against the top 10, I'm like, okay, I mean, maybe he just doesn't, didn't have that great of a team around him. Then I hear the 61% completion percentage. I'm like, okay, that's still could be teammates, but that's not great. And then I hear one touchdown to seven interceptions. That okay? I, I can't put that blame on the uh, on the teammates anymore. That's that's on Zach Wilson against these Utah, Boise State, Coastal Carolina teams that you're saying. So, you know, I know sometimes the best quarterbacks in the NFL don't have the most glorious college careers, and they say, "Oh, these guys will—they're not the best in college, but they'll translate well to the NFL." And in this case, it seems like that's what everyone's saying about Zach Wilson, but I'm not seeing why. I mean, he's not like he's not really built as like an NFL quarterback, like in terms of size and in terms of skill. He's he's obviously skilled, but he doesn't look like exceptionally like out of this world talent like that would make up for like a lack of size that he has. So I'm just as confused as you are about him basically being a lock at this point for the number two overall pick. It's it to me. It seems like. He got overhyped this past spring by the media, and that's that's going to put him at number two. And if that happens, and he really isn't as good as we think, it just goes to show how well uh, the media can influence a team's decision, especially a big decision like this. Really, That's a really interesting uh, storyline to see play out. Well, it's sure to be interesting, and I'm very interested to see where the, all these guys are going to end up going, but... We'll be moving on now. It, it, it would be you know, it would be funny. What, what I really want to see if like a random team like picked a quarterback like and, instead of one of these guys that like, you didn't think we we're gonna like like the like if the Panthers like just drafted well, another I've seen quarterback. That. I've seen that in in mock drafts or or even like like the Vikings at fourteen or if somebody even lower like traded up like the Washington football team at nineteen they just signed Heineke to that deal or whatever. But Alex Smith just announced his retirement, so maybe well, they, they'll trade up. They uh they have uh. Fitzmagic now. Oh, that's true. Well, but still, he's, well, he's really old. Well, so, like, another, a team like that another mock draft, I saw Mac Jones falling to Washington. Really? Yes, yeah, so, at 19. I, honestly, I would not be surprised at all to see something wacky like that happen tomorrow, which is why it's a lot of fun and why I'm super excited. Yeah. All right, Isaiah. So, I have a question for you. Yep. The Ravens have the 27th and 
31st pick in this year's draft, in the first round. Yep. Should Lamar Jackson have a say in who the Ravens draft? Yeah, I, I think he should. And But I don't think just Lamar. I think... So basically, after going through the ringer as a Packers fan, everything about Aaron Rodgers and how... You know, he wants, like, receivers around him, and the upper management doesn't listen to him, and they end up they end up drafting a backup quarterback or whoever they want, and they don't take his word into account. I think that is a, a trend that needs to change for Green Bay. And I just think, in general, for teams that have an established franchise quarterback that they like, and that's going to be – they have their guy. They're not going for any more quarterbacks. They have their guy that's going to be their franchise quarterback for a long time. I think when that's the case – since that guy's the most important player on the team, I think he should have at least a voice in who they draft in the first round. I mean, I think you could argue that the quarterback knows who the offense needs more than anybody in the world, more than the management. I mean, he's the guy that's getting the ball every play on offense and is just is interacting with the offense every single time they're out there and is the only person that really is having a major play, major part in every single play. So I think he knows best what the offense needs. And then he could also voice out and maybe we don't need an offensive guy in the first round. Maybe we go for some of the defense. I'm not saying that upper management needs to just solely pick whoever that quarterback like Lamar or Aaron Rodgers wants, but I think he should have a voice. He should be able to make his argument that he shouldn't just be silenced and just not completely taken into account, especially for someone like Aaron Rodgers. But even Lamar Jackson, I mean, the Ravens have shown that, that he is, their guy. I mean, he won the MVP uh, two seasons ago, and he. Uh, it's pretty set that he's going to be their franchise quarterback for a long time. He's the most important player on the team. He should have a say in who they pick. Yeah, I'm not going to defer that much from what you just said, Isaiah. I agree. I think he should have a say. I don't think he should be the end-all, be-all, whatever Lamar says goes, but I don't think you're arguing that. I think Right. What we're both saying is that he's the most important player on your team. He was the MVP two seasons ago. He has, you know, if he isn't the leader yet, he's going to have to step up and become the leader of that team going forward if they're going to be successful. And as that leader and as that best player, I think he should have the ability to provide a certain amount of input if there's a decision between a couple of different players and uh, they say, Lamar, like, what do you think about this guy? What do you think about that guy? Have you watched him play at all? Just simple, casual conversation like that. Nothing really super formal. But, um, yeah, I think he should, he should get a little bit of say. And just like all franchise quarterbacks in general? Um, well, what do you define as a franchise quarterback? I mean, someone that has a pretty established job. Yeah. They're not going to lose their job yeah. as the quarterback. Like, I'd say so. Like a Rodgers or... Well, not even I mean, quarterbacks. I mean, any any captains or any leader of a football team. I, I would say more just the cap or the quarterback. Well, what about like if Ray Lewis was on a team or um, or a JJ Watt or an Aaron Donald or a Richard Sherman? I still think the quarterback. Honestly, the quarterback is the most important position on the team. He's he's ha- he's the mo- he's do- does the most in any given NFL play because he's very much involved in every single play on offense. I see what you're saying with someone like J.J. Watt, but even then, I think the quarterback I mean, not, sees I'm not, more of the team. I'm not the saying J.J. Watt right now. I'm saying J.J. Watt on Houston, but yeah. no, I think I think, I think you're wrong on that one. I think 
I think everybody that is a major player on the team that is a captain. I'm not saying every like, but like your top three best players could have a little bit of a say. I think. I think if like depending on if you have three players that are that established and are leaders on the team or not. I think if you had like say a Lamar Jackson on your team and say JJ Watt was or someone like JJ Watt's on the Ravens, I think you go and ask Lamar. And then if Lamar says, I don't think we need anyone on the offense, then go to defer to all right, J.J. But like, Watt look, defense. All I'm saying is if you're getting a defensive player and Ray Lewis is on your team back in the day, then you say, hey, Ray, how do you think this guy would fit into the system? I mean, come on. Okay, That's yeah. all I'm saying. Fine. fine. I, I think you could ask both. I just think the quarterback is first in line. He's the more important one to me. So. Okay. But, but I – and again, it's hard to know – What's going on in the like back rooms of these teams and whether things like this are happening, these conversations are happening. But if they aren't, I really think that it's something that should be happening on basically every team that has an established franchise quarterback. I think they should have a say. And whether or not we know about it, I, I think it's just something that needs to happen. All right. You want to move on? Yeah, sure. Antonio Brown. Just re-signed with the Buccaneers. Kenny, how big is this for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? I think it's very big for the Buccaneers. I think Antonio Brown is still a number a wide receiver one in this football league. I think that he's one of the best receivers in the league. I think Pro Football Focus had him at 11 for this past season, and they're a pretty reputable source. I'm not saying that I agree exactly with that number. I might have him a little bit higher, a little bit lower, but... That's where they have him, but I don't think anybody would dispute that he's still a wide receiver one. So now you've locked up a second season of Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, and Mike Evans all out there catching balls from Tom Brady, all three of which could be legitimate wide receiver ones on any team in this uh, league. This also secures you bringing back all the starters that won this past Super Bowl, which is something that's pretty cool. And you now have a full season of Antonio Brown. You did not have a full season of Antonio Brown this past season. Now he is more familiar with the system. He'll be working out the team over the offseason. He'll be with the team during the preseason. And I think that's going to be a big contribution to how much of an effect he's going to have on the team. And... They did it for chump change. I think it's three guaranteed and six million uh, with uh, max with incentives. So I think it's a no-brainer. I think it's a great deal. And I think that they are once again looking like they could be Super Bowl favorites for this upcoming season. I thought uh, Antonio Brown was always a top three receiver for you in the NFL, wasn't he? Well, I didn't say that he wasn't. I just I haven't gone through and done all of my um, my rankings for the next season yet. That's all, Isaiah. Okay. But regardless, why would you not want a player like Antonio Brown, whether he's three or thirty second in the league, if you're paying him that much, uh, that little money to no. play football for you? No, I, I know, I know. I you know I like to bag on Antonio Brown for as much as you love him, but I will agree that it it was a big signing for the Buccaneers. I I still think on that team. Correct me or argue if you if you think if you disagree with this. I think Mike receiver, Mike Evans is still the best receiver on the team. I think he's wide receiver one and Antonio Brown's wide receiver two. Either way, I, I 
he's a very, very good wide receiver. He clearly loves to play with Tom Brady. He's followed him to two teams now. And like you said, Tom Brady has all the weapons that he used last year to win the Super Bowl. And another point, like you said, is that they're paying him more than they did last year, but still not as much as he's probably worth. So as long as he continues to make football his first priority and, you know, not go crazy on the off the field stuff, if he stays focused on football, which I think he will, I think he really loves playing with Tom and that's going to keep him focused. It is very scary. It, It makes for a very scary team. And honestly, just as you were talking uh, when you're given your answer, I, I I don't know why I just had a had a an insight to the future. I really think next year in January in the NFC Championship, we're gonna see a rematch of this year's NFC Championship. I don't know where it's gonna be, but I think I think the Packers and Buccaneers. I'm just making a prediction right now, a very early, early prediction of Packers versus Packers versus Buccaneers in the NFC Championship. Yeah. Buccaneers are still scary, and the Packers, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to keep being Aaron Rodgers, continue on with his MVP-level play. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen, but... Um... <laughs> that's my that's my April prediction that just came to me. I can, I'm can i seeing it now, the 2022 20, January NFC Championship between the Packers and Buccaneers, a great game. No, I think, I think it'll be the Buccaneers, <laughs> but I think they will be facing a different opponent. I'm not quite sure who You're yet, You're wrong about but... that. All right, well, I guess we'll find out. <laughs> Would you say Antonio Brown is better than Mike Evans? Who, who's he wide receiver be. one on that team? Antonio Brown could be if he has a full season and and he has that real connection with uh, with Tom. I think he he really could be. I'm, I'm who is right to now? Who's right now? Wide receiver one. Well, listen, that's Mike Evans's team because he's been playing there his entire career and he's been the wide receiver one there forever. But. I do think that Antonio Brown is still probably the better receiver, which means he's wide receiver one. Did he play like it like that last year? No, they kind of used him as more of an accessory piece. And even so, as that accessory piece, he was still was in the top thirty for yards per game, receiving yards per game in the NFL, and that is having not even started the season with the team, imagine what he's gonna be able to do now that he's re signed to the team. He's going to be working hard to make those incentives because the incentives are worth literally half of his salary if he could get them. And it's so much better to be in a system all the way through a season and in a preseason. So I'm really, really excited to see what he's going to be able to do this year. Yeah, I, this is going to be very scary. All right, moving want- on to another wide receiver in the National Football League, Isaiah. Odell Beckham Jr., in his career so far in uh, Cleveland, has been a little bit of a disappointment. He was a great player for the Giants. Then he was traded from the Giants to the Browns. And he hasn't really looked quite like vintage Odell when he was playing under Eli Manning. And some people have cited a chemistry issue between him and Baker Mayfield. Last year, I believe he tore his ACL. Yep. And uh, he was out for the majority of the season, yet the Browns had a very successful season, and they made a little bit of a playoff run, and they look like a dangerous team, and they are starting to look like one of the more elite teams in the AFC going forward. Assuming that Odell returns to the Browns this season and is not dealed away during the offseason, do you think that 
he's going to be a problem or a solution for the Browns? Do you think he's going to mesh well in the system and build on what they have been striving towards? Or do you think he's going to be a detriment and he's going to mess stuff up? Yeah, so every everything that you just said with how the Browns are, you know, looking and they're on this upswing, whatever, everything tells me, like, I don't really have reason to believe that Odell Beckham Jr. won't help. He won't be a solution because, you know, he has a history of being a very, very good wide receiver. Yes, he will be coming off of a torn ACL and we'll see how that affects his abilities. And there are chemistry issues for sure. They had uh, Odell and Baker. It's, it's not even like they just don't like each other. It just it doesn't seem like they really like even know each other. To me, it's like they're like they seem like strangers, and I don't really know why that is. But to me, those are problems. Like his disappointing play so far, and this kind of weird chemistry. These are those are things that I think can be overcome and should be overcome because he's such a good wide receiver, and because he's on a team that has all of a sudden shown how much promise it has even without a star wide receiver and a young quarterback that's still trying to prove himself. So I think that he sh- – everything's telling me that he should be a solution. It, that doesn't mean it's necessarily how it's going to go with the ACL issue and the chemistry issue, but there's no excuses. I mean, he should be able he, – he, he's shown that he can prove himself or that he can be a very good wide receiver. So I, that's what I expect. I have no reason to not think that he will be – he will continue to make the Browns an even better team, an even more dangerous team. But, I mean, we haven't seen it so far. I think he can overcome the chemistry issues and the poor the poor play so far. So I think he'll be a solution. But maybe he won't over- overcome those problems I think he should be able to overcome. I don't know. Yeah, I'm going to, uh, with the solution too, Isaiah. I agree with you. Look, he's a great wide receiver for the Giants. He had his little attitude problems sometimes. Uh, you know, you could look at that Josh Norman is- incident. You could look at the, uh, the Miami helmet. boat. Hitting the helmet. Oh, well, yeah, on, that. On well, yeah. Yep. I was talking about the Miami boat yep. playoff thing. But, you know, that wasn't just him. That was all the receivers. A uh, little bit of a history of public drug problems. But, look, great athlete. Great player, one of the most explosive players in our game when healthy and when at full strength. So I don't see why he shouldn't be a solution going back to his team now. I mean, why not add a great wide receiver to that team and see what happens and see if he works out with the chemistry and they figure stuff out because that could be the player that really brings them over the hump. Imagine if they have the team that they have now and then they add potentially the best offensive weapon on the team to them that they didn't even have last year on a team that it already has a very nice amount of offensive weapons. We're talking Landry. We're talking Kareem Hunt. We're talking the Chubb. Chubb, the other running back. Who I mean, Hunt and Chubb in that playoffs, man, they looked like a lot of fun. They they had a really great season. They were a one-two Down punch. Down the stretch in the regular season, too. I mean, it was... It was like 70-yard runs every game. It was incredible. I forget. I think the last couple of games I watched, I don't know uh, I don't know if it was a late, important game in the regular season or if it was a playoff game, but Kareem Hunt looked nasty in a couple of those games. And I mean, yeah, why not add them and add to that offensive monster of a team? And now 
Recently, they've added some defense too. They um, they added Jadavian yep. Clowney to be yep. on the other side of the defensive line with Miles Garrett, who everybody knows is an absolute animal. So, yeah, I think he should be a solution. I mean, all signs show that this team was really good last year, and they're only going to be better. And honestly, if Odell can't get over the chemistry issues on the Browns, I don't know where else he'll have better chemistry. I mean, it's a very young and a very fun team. Like, Baker is full of energy. He's a lot of fun, and a lot of these other players are still really young. And there's just a lot of energy with how terrible they used to be, and all of a sudden they're making a lot of noise. That's a lot of fun to be around. So if he can't get along with these guys, I don't know who – who better he's going to get along with? I mean, well, maybe it's the fact that he's in a, a smaller market like Cleveland. Maybe he'd rather be in a, in a bigger city. I, I don't know if that's what it is, but this is a fun team. If you can't get over the chemistry issues here, I don't well, know. Do you how blame the chemistry it. on Baker? Or do you blame it on Odell? I think, I mean, I think it's probably on him, but I just, I don't know Who's why. Him? Oh, sorry, Odell. <laughs> um, yeah, see, I the disagree. Man, the, top, the man of the top of the uh, I disagree discussion. because Odell was an established wide receiver one. An established, arguably... Not on the Browns. The, not on the Browns well, wait though. a second. An established, arguably, one of the greatest wide receivers in the league when he was playing with an aged Eli Manning who was out of his prime. But apparently still was able to have better chemistry with Odell than young Baker Mayfield. And then Baker Mayfield pretty much got Odell right It might have been his second season, right? Yeah, it was his he, first full season as a starter because he came in like halfway through his rookie year. So okay, yeah, second so season, he yeah. got him relatively early on, and they were never really able to establish much of a link. And then he, Odell, wasn't the player that he was when he was with uh, the Giants. So I kind of put that on Baker, but now Baker has progressed as a quarterback. I think he had the best year of his career so far last season. So now maybe that he's gotten to be a better player and a better quarterback. That also means that he's going to be able to have better chemistry with Odell Beckham and find his greatest target more. But to me, that's not on Baker. I, I think Odell came in, and I don't think he gave Baker enough time to mature into what he is now. I mean, he's coming off of an established Eli who's won two Super Bowls. Then he gets traded to a team with a guy that's his second year in, in, in the NFL. He's, he only started about half the games the season prior. So obviously, he's not... He's, it's not, he's not expected to all of a sudden become like someone that's going to make a deep run in the playoffs. And I think that was on Odell to not give him that time to grow. I think he just got frustrated easy, easily that he was playing with a worse quarterback. Maybe if he just gave him a little bit more time to develop. So then at the end of year three, we see that he's already winning a playoff game. He, he's already gotten to that. He's already reached a lot of potential that, that we saw. So I think it was on Odell not giving him enough time to progress and just see he just goes in and sees oh this guy sucks like I don't like him and now that now that's not the case anymore so there's no reason for Odell to be upset with his situation anymore unless unless he just hates the city of Cleveland that's, that's all I can think of because he's he's got a good quarterback now I, I'll tell you that I guess we'll see move on to NBA sure do you want me to ask you do you want sure. to ask uh, yeah I, I got it I got it so Something we talk about every now and then is about the Golden State Warriors missing Clay Thompson. So, question tonight, Kenny. When Clay returns, will the Warriors automatically become NBA Finals contenders? Yeah, so I wrote this question because the Warriors have been looking a little bit nasty lately with uh, this run that Steph Curry's been on. And 
what's going to happen when you add Clay Thompson to this team. And I know you're probably going to get mad at me about this. I know. I have probably. a feeling what you're going to say. Yeah. I say no. They're not going to be automatic champion contenders. And here's why. Two reasons. Very simple. First, I feel like the Western Conference has gotten to be a little bit scarier than it used to be. You have the Jazz, who are the number one seed this year, who were never a problem before. You have the Suns, that are the number two seed this year, that were never an issue before. A team now that is in their first season of meshing together the likes of Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, and Devin Booker. So one would think that they are only going to progress as they play with each other more. The Clippers weren't really a thing when Golden State was in its peak when Clay was still playing. Now they have Kawhi and Paul George. The Nuggets have became a better team. The Lakers now have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, which was not a thing when the Warriors had Clay and Steph and Durant. And also, the Mavericks are on the come up. So, all those things, that's my first point. Secondly, Clay Thompson is coming off of two serious leg injuries, that, which required two surgeries. He has not played basketball since the finals against Kawhi Leonard. That's when he tore his ACL. He has not played a competitive game of NBA basketball since then. And I believe that to be 2019. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. So we're yeah, talking about he's going to be playing like pretty much for the first time in two to three years on an NBA court again. Who knows how he's going to respond? I'm not saying that Clay isn't a good player. I'm not taking anything away from him. He's a great player. But there's an issue in the fact that this guy has gone through two of these major, major injuries and who knows what his body is going to be like when he's back on the court? Who knows if his legs are going to hold up? Who knows how sore he's going to get, how many games he's going to have to miss? Are we going to see the prime Clay Thompson that we've seen in the past? I'd say probably not. And coupling that with the increased talent in the Western Conference, I do not believe that they're just going to be an automatic Team that you could just say right now, 100% automatic contender for the NBA championship next season when Clay returns. What do you think, Isaiah? I know you're going you're gonna to say I'm wrong. You know what the nice thing about leg injuries for a great, great shooter like Clay Thompson? You can still shoot the ball. Oh, my God. You can I still shoot the ball. That. I knew your you were hands aren't that. broken. Your arms aren't broken. Just your legs. So what do you think he's been doing the past two years? I say you got to run up and down the court, Shooting though. Shooting the ball. Yeah, that's what it, he, he has months and months to build his leg strength back up. Fine, but his bread and butter comes from shooting the three-point ball. That ability has not been affected negatively from these leg injuries. And in tw- their first two uh, titles, finals appearances, it was just those two plus Draymond, who they, were, they still have, and Iguodala. Other than that, it was basically a bunch of average players. Yeah, but is Draymond like who now. he used to be? And is Iguodala that Draymond's anymore? never been amazing, though. He's, Hold on. He's not Draymond that much was, a, was. was a lot better back in the day. I, I don't think he's... I don't think he was that great. I don't think he's digressed that much. So, and now they have a guy like James Wiseman to 
be, be that like Iguodala, like that other pretty good player, like obviously a very different position, but you see what I'm saying as like a good starter. Yes, they they automatically become titles contender or finals contenders. They made two straight finals a couple years ago, basically just with those two guys and, and those other two pieces I mentioned. What about and Kevin they, Durant? They beat LeBron and then they lost to LeBron in seven games. So yeah, then and then in those final those last two years they won those finals with Kevin Durant. So yeah, it would be it'd be good to have it one more really good piece like that. But even without it, they've shown that they can make the finals just with Clay and Steph, like basically just with with Clay and Steph. So I have no reason to believe that they can't do it again. Clay Thompson's shooting ability is it's either at the same level or even better because all he's been doing for the last two years is shooting the ball. So that with with the fact that Steph's been playing what out of his mind, what about his ability to play automatic. defense? Yeah, I think that's something he'll work on the most. Okay, but, in, but in this but, offseason, okay, that's great. You can work strength. on it, but it's not about. It's not like he's ever been known for his, for his yes, defense. Yes, he has. Either. Not really. Yes, though. he has. You are wrong. He's, he's known for his shooting. His defense is good, but no, he's no, known no. for his shooting. He's known as a good defender too. A hundred and fifty percent. Anybody knows more important. Yeah, sure, it's more important, but he's also a great defense defender and. I don't think you understand. It's not about leg strength. It's about being comfortable of cutting and the soreness and the weakness that are in those legs now. Your your legs have just gone through surgical operations. Two. Yeah, but he's also he's had on the a, ACL and the Achilles, sure, right? Sure. Yes, but he has had a lot of downtime, and I I think those are things that he can get. Like it's not he's not like he's just going to automatically be a bad defender. And it's not, not like he's not going to work, but he's not gonna work on getting was. back in shape. He's had so much time. All right, to, what about the Western Conference uh, competition? Yeah, it's, like you said, more uh, better players. More better now? players have come to the Western Conference. That is true, but that doesn't disregard the fact that they were still they still destroyed every t- like they ran through the whole NBA those two years that they made the finals and won one of them and lost one of them. They they still ran through the NBA and were the, clearly the best team yeah, but, with just those guys. So I, they can do that again. Sure, it'll be a little bit harder to make the finals, but that might also mean it's a little bit easier to win the to win the finals unless but they Isaiah, face a team like the Nets. But Isaiah, back then, right? Who were we talking about as as NBA Finals contenders? Just rewind. It's like, like 2015? 2016? That, that those are the years I'm talking about. Because 2015, you're talking about pre Durant. Yes. Okay, fine. That's when they won and then lost in seven. Okay, fine. Pre Durant. Pre-Durant Warriors team, who are we talking about every year going to the finals? By my estimation, it's always Cleveland out of the East, right? That's like the only team that anyone ever ever thought was going to come out of the East. So that's one team. Then you have the Warriors. The Rockets, I'd say, is in that conversation, right? Thunder. Okay, maybe the Thunder. And then maybe the Spurs, right? Like, that's like five teams. Now, look at how many teams... I just feel like there's so much more competition. I really don't know who's going to make it from each conference this year. I think there's three teams in the East that could legitimately make it. The Nets, the Sixers, and the Bucks. And from the West, I could see the Jazz making it. I could see the Suns making it. I could see the Clippers. I could see the Nuggets. I could see the Lakers. I could see the Mavericks. I could see all of them making it. So I just feel like there's so much more competition now than there ever than there was during the time of those dynasties when pretty much 
Every single season, and this is like, I hated this about the NBA, that every single season, especially when Durant went to the Warriors, it was okay, this whole regular season is going to get played, but come the end of it, it's going to be LeBron versus the Warriors. Yeah. But and then I was really excited when like the league started all these players started to go to different teams and different teams that weren't usually good started to get better and like the 76ers and the Bucks and um I mean now the Nets and all these different teams in the West. So I just feel like there's so much more wealth being spread out and so much more room for different kinds of outcomes in a season that I just don't think it's that easy, coupled with the fact that he's coming off these injuries. So what do you call them, then? If they're not automatic finals contenders, what are they? They're already, they're already working their way up in the Western Conference right now, just with Steph's awesome play. Then you bring in Clay, who can put up 30, 40 a night easily. I think, what, what are they? I think they're probably at least a lock... To win one playoff series. So like middle, like four, five, six? Yeah, yeah. See, I think maybe because the, the like the Lakers, Suns, Jazz are obviously very good teams. But when you get Clay and Steph back in the playoffs, that is so scary to face. Like, I, like to me, they could beat anyone in the playoffs. But That's why awesome, the final contenders. This is, this is all... This is all based on if Clay comes back, Clay. And Which you will. You I, I'm and I and nobody else doesn't know if that's going to happen. You can't I think know. It will. I think it will because well, that's fine if you the think, shooting ability is either at the same level or better. And he's got plenty of time but to rest about, and get his legs back. It's all about shooting. One of his where they were. He's a catch and shoot guy. You have to get open in order to catch and shoot, right? He comes off screens a lot. There's a lot of movement and, and all kinds of you played basketball you know how it is you know I'm sure I don't know if you've ever gone through knee injuries but basketball is a lot of cutting a lot of stopping short a lot of moving around a lot of jumping there's way more to it than just catching a ball and shooting basketball is in a game of horse if you said which team is going to win horse in the NBA next season I'd say yeah probably the Warriors because you have Stephen Clay right but that's not what we're talking about here. There's a lot more to it than just picking up the ball and shooting. And it's going to depend on how the legs under him are. And I hope that he is the clay that we used to see. Because he was an awesome player and I really liked watching him. And I wish all the best to him. But you can't just christen them as a team that's going to be an automatic contender next year. Because you have no idea what the guy's going to look like. That's all I'm saying. People come back from this injury though. It's not like this is like a unheard of thing. He has two. How many? How so many times? Bad. How many times do you hear from? Look, how many times off the top of your head can you name players that have had ACL and then during their recovery when they're about to come back tear their Achilles and have been out for two to three years and then come back, Isaiah? Because I can't think of happen. anybody. That doesn't really happen. Right? No. I mean, KD is coming back from ACL like, constantly, but well, KD, <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. And he look how wait, good wait, he is. Wait, still. you just made my argument. No, because look how good he is. Well, still. hold on, hold on. Yeah, he's so good. I'm not saying he's not good. I just watched him the other night. He came off the bench and scored 33. He's great. But has he played a lot this season? No. What is he coming off of, Isaiah? An Achilles. What is Clay coming off of? An Achilles and an ACL. 
Yeah. So yeah, maybe he'll be and and is Clay as good as good of a player as KD? No, but KD is no. also injury prone. That is the most injury prone NBA player I've ever seen. Well, how in my can life. how can that Clay is... not be called injury prone when you just had two major surgeries back to back and haven't played in two to three years? Yeah, but like this is my point. You KD just made my point. random games way more than I've ever seen anyone like that. Right, like, he gets he's injured missing it right now because KD of his Achilles. Had, Clay had two major injuries. He's I, missing I it really right now. Injury prone. He's missing right now because of his Achilles. That's why he's not all the way back yet. He's not the same. Clay's had a lot of time, a lot of time to recover. I think he'll be fine. And Katie didn't listen. I mean, I guess we're not going to agree on this, but Katie's I, weak. The fact that you just brought up KD, I feel like is making my point even more because Katie is clearly the better player. He has not played a lot this year at all. He's been on and off Look the court the entire year. Look how good he is when he is on the field. Right, but on the court, is that what it's all about? You get on the court a couple times, and how good are you? Like when you're on the court a couple times, or is it about more than well, that? He's also they also play very different roles. Katie. Basically does everything, and Clay is more of just catch and shoot. So I think there's right. more expression well, I think, of KD. I really think he's that also you're, weaker to me. I think he's weak. I think you have an underappreciation of what. I think you have Clay an underappreciation does. of. Yeah, I think you have an underappreciation of Clay's ability. He's this guy is still going to come out and be an incredible shooter, and he's going to prove you wrong. All right, we'll see. I didn't. I didn't say he can't be incredible. I'm just saying that you have to be careful about making these. Big statements coming off of these injuries. That's all. All right, Isaiah. We going to wrap it up for tonight? Sure, unless you want to hit anything else quickly. No, I feel like... I mean, I, I have my meeting in, in 10 minutes. Okay. All right, that's uh, that that's fair. Unless you want to talk Dr. J for one minute, his, his list. All right, real fast. All right. Julius Irving listed as top 10 players of all time, and he left... LeBron James off of the list because he apparently invented super teams. What do you think of this, Kenny? And should LeBron be penalized for winning with super teams? Well, what Dr. J said was that he's the guy who led the charge for super teams, which is not untrue. LeBron changed the game in a sense that he started an era in which players can advocate for themselves and kind of act as pseudo GMs and communicate with other players and build these quote-unquote super teams. But I will say that super teams were not created by LeBron James. They were created by GMs of the past. I have several examples. The 95-96 Bulls. Three Hall of Famers. Jordan, Pippen, Rodman. 71-72 Lakers. Four Hall of Famers. Baylor, Goodrich, Chamberlain, West. 85-86 85-86 Celtics, five Hall of Famers, <laughs> Larry Bird, Johnson, McHale, Parrish, Walton, the 88-89 Pistons, the bad boys, mm-hmm. Isaiah Thomas, Adrian Dantley, Joe Dumars, Dennis Rodman, four Hall of Famers. And then you look at, I guess, what are we going to say, the best team that uh, LeBron's ever played on, like, he started the super team, so we're looking at the 12-13 Heat. Okay, yeah. so Ray Allen's a Hall of Famer on that team. Sure. Was he the prime Ray Allen? No. Is LeBron and Wade going to be a Hall of Famer? Yeah. Bosh is on the ballot this year. I don't know if he's going to make it, but okay, so let's say like he gets four. My point is that there's been other 
teams like this before, including a team that Dr. J has been on. The 82-83-76ers was a team comprised of four Hall of Famers, including Dr. J. So I think he should not be penalized for winning with super teams because all these other players that went with that won of super teams were not penalized. And the only argument that can be made is that he started this whole thing of advocating for building teams, but why is that a bad thing that players want to win and they want to get good teams together? I mean, look at the guy. He was in Cleveland for how many years, and he was competing and playing hard. He even made the finals once, and he put the entire team on his back. And he made the finals when he was a young player. Then... He kept coming up against the Celtics and kept losing and kept losing and kept losing. And then he said, okay, if Cleveland is going to go out and get me some players to play with. This is ridiculous. I want to win some basketball games. I'm buddies with D. Wade. I'm, I'm buddies with Chris Bosh. Why don't we come together and make a team? And that's how the team occurred. And then even after all that, he came back to Cleveland. And yes, he did come back to a Cleveland team that did have Kyrie Irving and eventually acquired Kevin Love. But he came back to his hometown team and the team that he was drafted and brought them the first championship in how many years in the most dramatic fashion in the greatest championship I've ever seen in sports history. Probably, if not one of them. So I don't really blame him. And then you look at a guy like Jordan. Everybody says Jordan is great and all that stuff. And I'm not denying it. But people are quick to forget that he went up against the... Bad Boy Pistons and the Celtics for years and couldn't get past them. And it wasn't really until he got Pippen that they were able to start winning championships. And then Rodman was just the icing on the cake. So I don't, in a long-winded way, (laughs) no, we should not be penalized. Yeah, you basically, uh, I'm, I'm glad I gave you that I little... I touched all the bases there? I, I gave you that little like three-minute rant. Yeah, I mean, you basically said everything I was going to say, plus some good examples. The one other thing I will say that I just thought was funny about this was Dr. J's, he picked top 10, a first team and a second team. The first team was all players from the 60s and 70s, and the second team was all players from the 80s and 90s. So I think there's a lot of bias towards his generation too and i i think he just isn't a big fan of the game today so i think that was just kind of a funny part of that and like, too. what about when lebron put the team on his back as last year in cleveland that whole playoff run remember that that was crazy man yeah, yeah. that's crazy dr j <laughs> i never got to see you play i've heard you're an all-time great <laughs> that's awesome man but this take is a cold one my my friend it's a cold take yep agreed all right, guys, that's that's going to do it for tonight. We thank you so much for listening once again to The Extra Point. Tomorrow, the draft. We're excited about that. I'm sure you guys are too. But in the meantime, that will do it for us tonight. And next week, we it, it schedule is going to be a little weird for the next two week with, weeks with finals coming up. So be looking out for our Twitter at The Extra Point BC for updates on next week and the week after show on when they're going to be. But... As for now, that'll do it. This is Isaiah Mueller. This is Kenny Tomkovich. Good night, everyone, and enjoy the draft tomorrow.